0: The Kern Institute Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of MEDIC, Medical Education in Countryside Communities, where we have conversations with all individuals who are involved in doing medical education in more rural communities. We are coming to you from the Medical College of Wisconsin, Central Wisconsin Campus in Wausau. And today, I have the great pleasure of being joined by a colleague, Dr. Ed Kroll. You have a lot of experience in leadership, as I understand it, as well as publishing in the area of physician health.
1: I've been around for a while. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and this is why we wanted to tap into your wisdom. Um, I was just telling Ed that we have worked together for a while now. And in, uh, in the new curriculum here at Medical College of Wisconsin, I think maybe in medical education in general, we're talking more about flourishing. And uh, Dr. Kral had a paper come out in 2014 uh, from his perspective on physician wellness, uh, being the Ten Commandments of Physician Well-Being. So I just want to tap into this wonderful resource that we have here on campus and get his perspective on, you know, his thinking then in comparison to what's now. Where then it was maybe less of a conversation point, thriving, flourishing of the physician, to where now it's a real focal point in a lot of the uh, the education that we're we're trying to expose uh, emerging physicians to. So so welcome. I'm glad you're here with Thank us today. You. Thank you. So before we even get into the depths of the conversation around wellness, where it was at when you wrote the paper originally, and where it's uh, where uh, you think it's at now, um, how did you get here? Tell us about Ed getting from point A to point B as a younger person to to now. Did you- well,
1: I go way back. I I. I can say that my interest in psychiatry started in high school. I was in, in a class and I was given the book to read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And Viktor Frankl was a psychiatrist who, uh, who was in a concentration camp during the Holocaust and survived. And then he came out and talked about resilience and what kind of people were able to survive that and thrive and others who did not do so well and i came away from that thinking that's what i want to do i want to hmm. understand how people deal with adversity and 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 how they survive and they get through that and and uh i thought initially i was going to be a priest oh, uh, wow. and and do it that way and that that changed as the church and uh, the catholic church changed in college i said i want to be a psychologist and i majored in psychology uh, and had a mentor who said, uh, maybe you ought to think about psychiatry. And yeah. uh, and so I decided, yes, I want to go to medical school. I want to be a psychiatrist. And I was one of those students who went to medical school deciding that they wanted to be a psychiatrist. And that was my direction all the way through. And and my career has, has uh, evolved. And I can say I've been blessed with the opportunity to do a lot of different things. I mean, I I got involved in physician health and wellness when it was first being recognized in the late 1990s and early 2000s. Mm. I was assigned to be the first chair of the Physician Health Committee with the Marshfield Clinic. Okay. Uh, Marshfield Clinic uh, was a a multi-specialty medical facility with 800 physicians and uh jaco said uh, the joint commission said that you have to have a physician health committee mm-hmm. and so uh, without knowing what that meant or who that uh, was going to serve they said would you lead this up and i started my journey with physician health and bringing my interest in survival in in resilience to the physician community uh, i can say more about that because physician health has been interesting it's evolved in the in the 20-some years that I've been involved with this. Back then, in the early 2000s, the medical profession was just being willing to admit that physician wellness was an issue, that sustainability was an issue. Up until then, it was felt like, well, if you couldn't manage it, maybe you were just weak. And uh, uh, it wasn't felt to be a, a problem in the medical profession. But then they started to see casualties and, yeah. and people burning out and, and 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 not being able to practice and all the fallout that goes with that. They started to say, well, then physicians should... Uh, do more for themselves, to Mm -hmm. take care of themselves. And that was the thrust back then for a while. You know, you need to uh, doctor heal thyself and take care of thyself. That has evolved to the present time where they're realizing that, that the way we practice and the pressures that are put on physicians might have some relation to the problem of physician wellness and burnout. And that maybe the system needs to change. And the focus now these days is, is recognizing the systemic factors in medicine that affect quality of care and physician wellness. So it's evolved over the years.
0: That's an interesting point you bring up because the first sentence in the paper is, it's a challenging time to be a physician. Has that time really changed? I mean... And, and
1: I think, in some ways, it's gotten worse because there's even less autonomy in physician practice. There's even less collegiality in physician practice. There are more regulations and restrictions, and most physicians practice in a in a group where uh, they are told who they can see, when they can see them, and how long you can see them, and how you're going to practice, and you're measured by by outside measures all the time. And I, I think that puts it puts a lot of pressure on on uh, physicians because they don't have the same kind of mastery or control over what they do.
0: Yeah, that's and that's an interesting point in and of itself, is that mastery and control aspect. So then it's, I find it interesting that you tied it paper title back to your your priest interest in the Ten Commandments. Isn't that something, um, yeah, this so, the relationship. Right? Yeah, yeah, as you said, I'm like, well, that's interesting that you titled the paper that as you did, but to your point about... Um, you know, how things have changed in terms of autonomy, thinking about those 10 commandments of physician well-being, is there things that you would maybe change in terms of your thinking around that now? I say the basic
1: principles of taking care of yourself are still true, but that's only half the equation. The other half of the equation is the environment of medicine and the way it's practiced. And if you do all those things... It's a start, but it isn't going to make all the difference.
0: Yeah, right. And that's so that kind of gets to one of the bigger questions I've been grappling with since coming on um, through the current institute and 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 uh, into my current position with this idea of character development. Because when I looked at your when I looked at the Ten Commandments, I saw character traits. Um, you know, one that really stuck out was. Uh lifelong learning, I think, and it one of the last one was continuing to learn. It would seem okay. to be a, almost like a theme throughout. Uh, would you say that the lifelong learning is a strong foundational approach to addressing a lot of these other challenges or the other commandments or the other character well, areas?
1: I think it's true. And for me, it has been true. I I feel like um maintaining my curiosity and periodically reinventing myself. Uh, has been motivating uh stimulating to me and 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 i think that's a strength of many physicians as i say there we're good learners and and uh we got to get through high school and college and medical school and residency. And we're continuing to learn. And And those physicians who thrive continue to find stimulation in the work that they do and, and learning more about it. So that part, I think, remains the same. Um, I think the challenge to the medical profession as a whole and institutions is encouraging that and sustaining that. There's a study that I, I quote there from the, the Mayo Clinic, where they looked at physicians in practice and those that spent at least one day a week doing something that they really enjoyed doing were less likely to burn out. I mean, it, and it, it it kept their passion alive.
0: So on that point, and joy is the, you know, maybe number nine, I think that you mentioned, they're trying to keep that joy alive in the profession. So it sounds like you're saying that joy can come through in any avenue that fosters that in you. And with all this talk around wellness, it, it too has almost become prescribed, right? Like this is how wellness, this is wellness, this isn't. So I was just seeing an article in the, if you're tired of wellness, have you tried cooking? <laughs> so I'm just kind of curious, like, in your thinking too, like, you so just pick something that works for you, I guess, is, is your approach to when it comes to wellness. It's not necessarily meditation or yoga yeah, or whatever that's I, being promoted.
1: I think the, the old, the terms of wellness and burnout have become uh, sort of uh, catchword, sort of the buzzword these uh, days, and 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 uh, everybody's aware of the need for wellness, uh, but the definition I think has become um, rather broad. Yeah, and and I I think we need to define our terms. We need to define our terms in terms of. Uh, wellness are things that you can do for yourself but wellness is also something that becomes part of the part of the culture yeah. part of 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 the way we practice and take care of each other and take care of our patients so um it has become sort of a catchword that needs to be. you got to define your terms, I guess, is what I'm saying.
0: Right. It almost becomes another task. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. yeah. yeah. That, that was my concern, too, with it. And, but right away, you got me thinking about cultures that look at our country as a whole. And my wife has told me about her experience in um, New Zealand. And how uh, you know the the pace was different, right? And that's kind of like to me an example of what you're saying is that we as a group have to decide what our value set is and then live by those values around at least specifically to wellness. Are we going to go faster, slower? How are we going to?
1: Oh, absolutely true. Yeah. I think what you're saying is is absolutely true and well said. I think as a as a culture, we instill values about achievement and performance. And and work ethic that sometimes are not so healthy.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 uh, Those are the so again not trying to make wellness one of those things to achieve, but to be well. and and to to look at the total picture. I mean, yeah, it's a it's one it's one part of all we do. It, so, in achieving something like that, is it a sense of bliss that I reach? Well, I, I think it's not just
1: bliss or being happy, but it's also a sense of Having a sense of purpose, having yeah. a sense of meaning, uh, uh having uh a sense of passion about what you do. Uh and and that is a piece of wellness that sometimes is overlooked. It's not just being happy and taking time off from work, but it's having something at work that makes you want to get up in the morning and go to work and and, and feeling like you're making a difference in life. Yeah. yeah.
0: And you and you mentioned uh, right away that's Seems to be about the relationships. Uh, the, it's like, huge, yeah, and, and and having those relationships at work. Oh, huge! Liking people you work with yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, and not seeing them as just dysfunctional, and, yeah, and 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 being able to to trust them and like being with them, uh, as opposed to feeling like I got to do this all by myself and I I don't like the people I work with or uh or I distrust the people I work with. Um, there's there have been a couple of studies in the past, and and one was about uh. Um, airline crews and um, what they found was that airline crews that knew each other and could work together and trusted each other had less problems than uh crews that were didn't know each other so the 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 the, the summary was that Familiarity trumps fatigue. Mm-hmm. That if you know people, and then they transferred a similar study to ORs, operating rooms, in in uh, in Michigan, and they found that only a small percentage of the surgeons knew the first and last names of the other technicians and nurses mm-hmm. in the room. They you were out, you were working with strangers and. And 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 how do you have each other's back? How do you trust that that person knows their job? How do you feel comfortable working with them? Uh, medical errors occur less when people know each other, trust each other, and and uh, feel good about working with
0: each other. So, how do you, do you have any advice on building those kinds of relationships? Because right away when I think about relationships, I think about boy, they are a lot of work, and or can be a lot of work. I should say that uh, yeah. and. They're not always successful. Things happen like a violation of trust in the relationship. How do we manage all that? Because like, there's a lot of relationships, a lot of individual differences. Uh, you know,
1: I think that's one of the main areas that medical practice has changed. Physicians nowadays practice more in silos. They they it's it's less common to be part of the medical society, to be part of the AMA, mm. uh, to even have go to lunch with your colleagues where you can talk about a difficult case or a bad yeah. day or or glitches that are going on. Um, spending time with each other. When I was uh, and my group practice, mm-hmm. we uh, were trying to build that, and we'd had uh, uh, we got the hospital to pitch for lunch, free lunch for the physicians every month, and and we would uh, uh, the first Wednesday of the month, uh, the hospital would put out a spread, and physicians were welcome to come and sit and talk with your colleagues and have and have lunch. We had about three hundred physicians in that medical center wow. at the time. And if I could get 30 to come to lunch, I was lucky. Wow. And the hospital was saying, well, I'm going to pitch for 30 people. Like, How many people are coming to this? And so I tried to, to find out, why don't you want to come to lunch? And one of the one of the responses I got is, I don't have time for that. And I resent the people that do. Oh, interesting. And That's so, a deep statement, isn't it? No, isn't it? I resent. Yeah. It's yeah, like, wow. I, you know, I'm all in this by myself. And I ain't got time to spend time with my colleagues. Yeah. Even though... It might be to your benefit to do that, right? You might, and so uh, this whole idea of of uh, working together and and uh, knowing who you're working with and and team building uh, is a challenge these days. And 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 medical facilities, you're 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 paid based on your productivity. So if you take time out to go to lunch, that's. money out of your pocket
0: yeah, and, right. and, and
1: you're seeing less people. And then you're always trying to play catch up, you know, well, during lunch, I got to be eating my sandwich by myself and doing my dictations and, and, yep. and yep. Uh, that I don't have time to connect with anybody outside. So they've talked about things like having huddling in the morning where you get mm-hmm. together with the staff, let's look at the day together. And, oh, and, yeah. and, uh, um, and uh, where are going to be the challenges and where are going to be the, the time crunches and let's work this out. And you're working it out with your medical assistant and your appointment coordinator and, and, and your nurse, the, the AMA has come out with some papers about sustainability in medical practice. Mm-hmm. And they talk about having a medical team that you work together with, that you trust, where you know your nurse, and you know your medical assistant, and you know your appointment coordinator, and you have somebody who's making phone calls, and you have more people involved as a team, trusting your team, but also then you get to have some control over your work. Mm-hmm. So with some patients, maybe I'll have the nurse see them, and I'll stick my head in the door, and I'll say hi, and I, but I know that the nurse can take care of it, but I know this patient needs more of my time than I can spend here, as opposed to feeling like you're going through a gauntlet or a marathon of I got 10 minutes to see mm-hmm. every patient uh uh in my schedule today and and uh I got to do this by myself.
0: Yeah, that's a that's good thinking around the idea that I, do, I don't have to do it by myself. Yeah. That's and, one of the lessons. Yeah, it's a huge lesson. So you're here now at the Central Wisconsin campus um doing coaching Or or navigating is another exchangeable term that we use when we talk about sitting down with a with a group of. I like to say emerging physicians keep us all on the level playing field as we're all learners in my mind. So you sit down with a group of emerging physicians in what we call a learning community, and now you're helping these young individuals learn how to navigate some of the issues you've been talking about. So how is that tra- how is that translated into your approach to coaching
1: um trying to teach lessons learned yeah uh, um i've been involved i had been involved in physician health for over 20 years uh running the physician health program at at the clinic that i was at and and i got to see a lot of casualties mm-hmm. i got to we did a, a number of Of uh, surveys and and, uh, implemented programs and and I learned a lot from that. So now trying to incorporate that into the approach with the navigating and the coaching and to help students develop a philosophy, develop Mm. an understanding um, about taking care of yourself. But taking care of yourself is not just a selfish thing. It's about team building. Um, It's about maintaining, sustaining meaning and purpose. Um, and, and incorporating the kinds of things that I wrote about back in 2014, uh, but also with an understanding today that it, today's medical practice um, is going to take some administrative and, and systemic changes as well. And hopefully they can be a part of that.
0: Yeah. And, I, and I've heard, you know, students struggling with the idea of being told, take care of yourself, but then put into a, a schedule that's, well, yeah. hey, I just got out of my ER rotation. I have this, you know, test to study for, and then I got to do this. this and mean, it's like, okay, where do you, it seems like there's a contradiction that they're picking up on. And, um, yeah. And, yeah. yeah so yeah. I, I, I don't know what to tell them. <laughs> you know, someone needs to be at the ER, I, you know, but yeah,
1: it's, uh, it's a, it's paradoxical and it's a double bind for them to be told one thing, but then put them in a situation, uh, where they, where they can't they can't or don't know how to take care of themselves. And, and so I think that's part of the challenge we have right now is, is, is uh, teaching them how to survive in a system. Um, I think that, and that's the other message I try to mm. give is that medicine as a whole, the medical profession, the American mm. Medical Association are recognizing that the system has to change and make the uh, incentives for practicing, the, the structure and institutions of the practice uh, those have to change, and and what what I, what you're seeing is you're seeing a lot of physicians who are taking more control of their practice. And uh, maybe I'm not going to practice full time. Yeah, uh, maybe I'm going to uh, try to structure what I do in a way that I feel is sustainable. Um, I think that's where it's going, and that's
0: I think what we have we have to give physicians the tools for change as well. Indeed. And how much of this is generation? You touched on it earlier when we opened up our conversation about the kind of, the, I, for me, I always frame it as, uh, you know, I had to walk uphill both ways with no shoes on and 10 feet of snow. So it'd be good for you to do that too. And uh, we just had a conversation uh, with another podcast group. Uh, students were doing their own podcast, and that got brought up there to these you know what are the pressing issues in medical education and i brought up the point the generational differences tied to this wellness of because these generational differences is how what do you think about yeah, that yeah that, i
1: think you're absolutely spot on there i think that there there are differences there's older physicians looking back and looking at the physicians today and they say well they don't have the same kind of work ethic that yeah, i right yeah and, yeah and and uh they're not dedicated like we were yep. uh on the other hand you see uh students who are much more aware of they've been the, the the message of wellness has been preached so thoroughly is that um they're afraid to to overextend to do too much mm. to and I'm going to protect myself and I'm not going to work that hard. And I'm going to take a practice where I have regular hours and I'm only going to work nine to five. And, and, and and I think the pendulum sort of swings that way sometimes too, where people are choosing a practice based on the lifestyle that it will afford them as opposed to a commitment to serve. um, If that's still a a word that can be used. Um, And I think it's much more acceptable to admit that I got a problem now. I mean, it, it, uh, it's, it's, it's much more acceptable to have a mental health day, yep. Um, and uh, you know, I saw this when I was a program director when COVID broke out, okay. And and uh, um, I had some residents who said, You know, that's why I went into medicine, I want to go where I'm needed and I'm committed and I want to serve. And then I had other residents who said, uh, Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know if I want to expose myself to that kind of stuff. What if I take it home to my family or my kids? And, uh, you know, uh, yeah. I, I didn't buy into this. Uh, uh, I'm not willing to make that kind of a risk or sacrifice. Yeah. And, so, uh, and, 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 and how can you force them to do that? Right. You, know, you, you can't force them to do something that they absolutely are afraid of. But but there's got to be a balance in medicine, there's always going to be, I think, some kind of risk and, and, yeah. and balancing that is is always is
0: the challenge. So when working with these, you know, first years, second years, uh, third years is, is, is there a, a progression that you're hoping they go through to get to the point where they can establish those boundaries, implement those ten Commandments in, the, in their life? Is there some techniques that you're... Well,
1: you know, a lot of it is the mindset that they come... It's been called a mismatch of the person and the environment. And it's a a selection process. Mm -hmm. We select people that are very achievement-oriented, right. uh, overachievers, perfectionistic, obsessive. That's what made them successful. And that's why they got into medical school, because they've been perfectionistic and competitive and overachievers. The trying to get them to rethink that in terms of sometimes good enough is good enough. Not that you lower your standards, but being obsessive and a perfectionistic to the point where you are driving yourself and everybody else around you crazy yeah. is not doing yourself any favors, or anybody else. So helping them to develop some perspective, to uh, let go of some of the obsessiveness. I mean, this this medical school here is talking about we're not, this is not a weed out program. It's a weed in program Yeah, to help you get through and survive. Right. And so uh, changing that dynamic of, of uh, competitiveness, overachieving perfectionism uh, can help them find somewhat more of a balance and happiness in
0: what they do. Definitely, I can relate to that. Every times this gets brought up, I think of my own wellness habits of exercising. And I've learned that, hey, if I only did 20 push-ups today, as opposed to my 30 that I want to do, it's okay. Yeah. You know, I'll I'll, I'll come back around, you know, and it's that the the most important part is that I did something today in relation to that. And I think that's good enough.
1: It doesn't have to be all or nothing. There is an in-between here and and trying to help physicians find that in-between is is important. You know, it's uh, this whole sense of relationships with your family. Sometimes it's not a matter of how much time you give them, but. The quality time, the attention. So, you know, having a technology free zone, we get together at dinner and I don't have my cell phone right. or my computer and we're gonna spend that time together. Yep. Um, as opposed to, well, I ain't got any time for this and I gotta I gotta finish these dictations and I gotta do this and I gotta do that. And and we'll get together later
0: then. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna later never uh, happens. Well, that's right. That's right. <laughs> to quote a musician friend of mine, uh, Ralph Roddenberry, we gotta take the time to make the time. To be together, you exactly. Know, you know, and that's a, It is a lot of that. Not to take it as another task to do and check off. Got that done, but no.
1: But but ten minutes of undivided time can do a lot.
0: Yeah, and I've written myself too. Again, I try to practice that. I mean, my my. Uh, well, even like the cell phone thing. I, there's a little interesting study in which they looked at people who had the cell phone, you know, out in front of them, versus in their backpack next to them, versus out in their car. And then, of course, they had a conversation with all of them and then asked them to recall the conversation. Who do you think had the better memory for the conversation? Oh, yeah, The one that's out in the car, out of sight, out of mind. So, yeah. yeah, those little efforts that can get you to those points for sure. I agree. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and, and making it quality time and, and giving yourself credit for that. I was in a a, met, a, a focus group for, for women, I, and there were a group of women, and they were talking about how much stress they were. And we had to do a survey at the clinic where they – where 75% of the women physicians said that they felt extremely stressed or or moderately stressed. And we were talking about this, and there was a young woman physician there, a few years out of practice doing family medicine, and said, I just wish I could be good at something again. Uh, I'm I'm not a good doctor. I just, I don't feel like I'm doing justice Uh to my patients. I'm not a good mom. I'm never there. I'm not a good wife. I just... Wish I could do something oh, good again. Wow. Like when I was in I, when I was in college, I was uh, I was on the honor roll and and, uh, uh, and interesting. And and now I don't feel I can do anything right. And one of the other women challenged me and said, "Give yourself some credit. Stop beating yourself up. Yeah. You're you're juggling a lot of different things. Give yourself credit for that, and and stop beating yourself up." But I think there's that sense of you know perfectionism and achievement, where it's feel like it's never good enough. What we found very helpful for some physicians was to have a physician coach or mentor shadow them during the course of the mm. day to see how they were running their, their practice sure. and give them suggestions about how you could be more efficient and that was very helpful for the physicians that were willing to accept it and look at it you know you can do this differently you could have your MA do this part of the dictation you don't have to do it all yourself and and some physicians were open to looking at doing it a little bit differently or more efficiently and others were no I gotta do this I gotta have control over
0: it. yeah it's that resistance to change now you're touching <laughs> on so I mean, that's something perhaps we all wrestle with to some degree you know yeah. st- stability is secure <laughs> in a way right yeah. um so that resistance to change, yeah, is there any uh, wisdom that you have gained in terms of how to get over that hurdle? Uh, That's a tough one. How do you get there? Yeah,
1: throwing, a lot of stuff is thrown at physicians too yeah. these days. I mean, there's, a, you're, you know, you you get one medical record system and then they change it, and because the software is is less expensive, and, yeah. and you got to learn a whole new system, and it changes your whole <laughs> your whole practice and the way you're doing things, and there's a learning curve, and and uh, they're asked to put up with a lot, and and uh, um, I, I think a matter of personal choice, but the sense of recognizing that there's going to be change and rather than railing against it all the time, uh, uh, being willing to accept it with some curiosity and, and, uh, and, and learn from what, from what you can as opposed to being rigid and unwilling to change.
0: What you're getting at is saying, oh, I see change as an opportunity and there's hope. When we think that way versus, oh, this is going to suck. I'm not going to be able yeah. to do this or whatever. Yeah. So that was a powerful When I was reading that. I was like, oh, yeah, I can. I, I wrestle with that myself. Let me tell you a story. There was
1: a, a physician that um, was brought in by his wife because he was sitting in his office on a Friday night, burned out, trashed, tired. And was contemplating taking his life uh-huh. in in his office on a Friday night, wow. and he was going to show them, show administration, show his partners what they had done. And he thankfully he called his wife, and she came and got him and brought him in. And 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 this was his story. He was in a in a group practice with with uh, three other partners who were all younger than him, and uh, they decided. You know, we want a different call schedule. Instead of being on every fourth night, why don't we do like one week at a time and then we'll have three weeks off? Mm-hmm. And and they thought, I would, I think we would, we would they voted three to one. Let's do a, a, a call schedule where we're on seven and off twenty one. And uh, as an older physician, he was having difficulty after a few nights of no sleep, trying to keep going. And and he said... Oh, so they
0: are doing the whole week as the, opposed... Oh, 24 hours. Okay. Gotcha. 24-7. Oh, okay. Like, okay, now... That,
1: okay. You're on 24-7, and there'd be nights where you'd go several nights in a week where you didn't get enough sleep. Sure. And by the end of the week, he was trashed. Yeah. And he, and, and he said, I can't do this. And his his thought was, if I can't do this, I have nothing else. Mm. If I can't do this anymore... Then I, I didn't have a lot he had been a man who was dedicated to his practice he didn't have a lot of hobbies his kids were grown mm-hmm. he would spend weekends doing papers and reading and and didn't take a lot of time off and he said if I can't do this I exactly. can't do anything else it's all part and of it. unwilling to change you yeah. know could you change your practice go part-time can you you know yeah. if I, what I have found in and my life that has been sustainable is that i periodically reinventing myself finding some other things to do yeah. and something that caught my passion again and uh remotivated me recreated myself and and now coming to this finals capstone yeah. experience of being able to get into teaching and working with medical students has been a nice way to Finish my career. I mean, it. it uh, I see it as a as a nice transition and a capstone experience. And and I've gotten that blessing to try to do to do things to get opportunities to do things every now and then. And that's about change, being able to accept change and finding out
0: something that still excites you. Indeed. So on that note, two pieces of advice, two take home messages you might want to have people focus on, even if they ignored everything else we were saying today, that they just couldn't well, take yeah. with them and say. I think think the the
1: basic things are still true and and have been for me. One is, is to continue to learn, um, reinvent yourself, find things that excite you. Um, Don't do it alone. Work with a team. uh, Don't isolate yourself. Uh, Find a group of people that you like working with and that you can trust and that you encourage each other. Um, and I think that the, the third thing is continuing to feel like y- you're making a difference. I mean, I, I think those things are important. Over that also is working with the system to make it more sustainable. I mean, I think that the system's got to give. And and uh, it's not just all on your shoulders uh, uh, to keep yourself well. Um, you have to work in a system and a culture and, and, and with people that, that share that value. Yeah, indeed.
0: Indeed. Well, thanks for the time today. Ed. I really appreciate it.
1: Okay. I hope it's helpful.